Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Well, we all know we've got a USDA report that comes out tomorrow. We had a Fed talk midday today. We've got the State of the Union address that is coming out this evening. Some interesting factors that, you know, we might not even think about weighing in on what we see in the market trade. We'll add to that. We've got uh, demand. Where is that holding up and all the progress that's going on in South America, which I've heard of some harvest delays coming out of Brazil with more rain headed their way. What is that going to mean for that crop? We'll take a look at that and a whole lot more. Jeff Peterson joins us. He's with Heartland Farm Partners, and I can say he's joining me in studio versus over the uh, phone. So lots of market influences, I think, over the next 24 hours are going to be inundating this market trade. Boy, it sure is. You know, there's a number of factors coming in. You know, you take a look at the Fed, and, and the thing we continue to watch there is that what's the rate in which we continue to see, you know, the the increases that are happening on the interest rates. The hope would be we get to a point in here where it does slow down some, and then hopefully that can help maybe maybe reduce the strength of the U.S. dollar a little bit. We know that that's just one of the many factors that that impacts the prices, but we know that does come into play. Yeah, definitely looking at the way the economy has been and what people's spending power has been you would think that that would have some sort of influence over what they've had to do. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and we're interested to see what comes out of the State of Union address tonight. So I was going to say, you and I were talking about this before we even started the program, was is there the potential that we're going to be talking about biofuels and just that sector of agriculture in the State of the Union address? Well, I would I would sure hope so. I guess some of the things that we're looking for, you know, if they're not there, it's not – uh, you know, it's not going to crash the market, but some things that we're hoping to hear is that we're hoping to hear more about how does how does the renewable fuels, whether that be a renewable diesel, um, how does that all fit into basically the low carbon fuel market? And is there any discussion about, you know, us going to the E15 or more about that or more dollars available to potentially, you know, push the infrastructure there? And is there any talk about the sustainable aviation fuel, you know, and, and the renewable diesel and basically the ethanol, they both can play a role in that in getting that to a point of, of where ultimately we're, um, we've got a low-carbon fuel source for the planes. You know, so th- those are some of the things that we're actually looking for, Susan. Especially when we've got an administration that is so focused on a cleaner more friendly world here you've got a homegrown product in your own backyard so i guess time will tell what we see this evening yeah that's exactly right so and and if those things aren't brought up it isn't as a matter of fact is it's not going to bring the market down immediately by no means but uh, it would really kind of give it a little bit of a backwind if some of those things were mentioned well that would be nice to see we know that there's been some governmental pressure coming from all the states including our state here in nebraska pushing to get this e15 year round taken care of so we have a WASDE report as well that comes out tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And I've read a couple that says this is a flash in the pan. It's just the February report. It doesn't mean anything. But it's got to have some weight on this trade. Well, I think it does. There's, there's a couple areas that we're looking at. We know as we sit back and think about the U.S. production side, we know there won't be any adjustments in regard to acres or yields, so production is set. Overall, the trade, as we look at some different estimates out there, they're looking for a little bit bigger ending stock number. On corn, and, and in order to arrive at that, I'd say you have to physically see the reductions on the demand side, and it probably comes from the export side. But there's room for it to come on the ethanol side too. Overall, the trade saying soybeans stay about the same, you know, so so no real change on ending stocks there, and and wheat probably just a slight increase. I do think though, as we look at 
some production things that can change. There'll be a lot of focus on what's going on in South America. I was going to say, isn't there supposed to be a reduction coming for Argentina? Yeah, there is. There's going to be some reductions in Argentina on both corn and soybeans. We also think, though, that there will be some increases that will come into play um, from Brazil's side. But we think it sure feels like from the market side that they're expecting to see bigger reductions from Argentina than we're ready to see the market actually or USDA actually increase their their production side coming out of Brazil. And we know that that pressure will be there on our crop, especially as China comes back into the market and knows that there's fresh beans coming out of Brazil which could hurt the way we see our prices move. Yeah, it, it sure does. You're, you're exactly right, Susan. It does. What about the rest of the global perspective on this WASI report? Any other numbers that might have an effect on the world ending stock numbers? Yeah, so I think as you, as you dig into there, I think one of the big question marks that everybody has, and I, I don't think we'll see any adjustment, will come from China and the demand there. And, you know, have they got past COVID enough here? Are we going to see some increases coming in on both the corn and the soybean side on their imports? Or are they physically saying, you know what, no, those numbers are pretty well set. So I, I think we've got those set there. But as we dig a little bit deeper into demand, Susan, I want to you know kind of explain a little bit more about where we're kind of seeing some potential adjustments, you know, as I was mentioning mm-hmm. on the WASD. Um, weekly ethanol production numbers. Now, keep in mind, those numbers come out every Wednesday, so so the numbers that I'm referencing would have been from a little over a week ago. But something that we're watching is that year-to-date, and that's crop year-to-date, so that would be from September 1st, is down 4% compared to a year ago. USDA, in their latest report that from January, basically would have said, you know, what our corn use for ethanol is going to be down about 1%. Well, that's a 3% gap there, 3%. On over five billion, I mean, there's 150 million bushels there at some point. If we don't see that weekly ethanol production increase, that we could see actually added to the ending stocks. We don't think it will happen in this report. The other one actually comes over, and I'm gonna jump around on you in commodities and go over to the Napo crush numbers. And and these numbers don't make a lot of sense to us if we dig into the crush. Year-to-date crush is down about six tenths of a percent. USDA thinks we're going to be up 1.9 percent. And it's really hard for us to understand why crush is lagging. There's enough beans out there. They're having to pay quite a bit on a basis. Very strong meal demand, very strong oil demand. But my hope would be is that we see that number increase down the road. If we don't, I really don't have a good explanation for it, Susan. Well, that's going to throw me for a loop without an explanation. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. We'll find out what's going to happen with this South American crop, where they are with harvest progress, as I mentioned. Uh, They've been receiving a lot of rain and more rain to come in the northern part of Brazil. Unfortunately, that stuff is not headed into Argentina. Also, look at this safrina corn. How is that planting going on, especially with the wetness that is happening? We do have more coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back now to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners. We'll pick up on uh, talking about demand on the feed side, especially for these livestock producers as they look at the way these numbers are washing and waning. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. You know, overall feed demand we think uh, is a positive side down the road, even though as as we dig into the numbers out of out of USDA, you know, they're forecasting total red meat and poultry to be down about four tenths of a percent. Um, they're actually for, forecasting beef to be down about six point six percent. But we still look at that, even though we say those numbers, we we still think there's room for actually the feed demand number to come up a little bit. The reason we believe that is we think some of this livestock's been on on feed quite a while because of the dry conditions that we had when they were placed. The other thing that we, we believe is that even though we think that, and I haven't seen it supported, but I sure think we're going to start see some heavier carcass weights because where the prices are basically where some of these uh, fat cattle are at, you could afford to put on a little more weight. And as a result, we think down the road we could actually see the feed demand um, pop back up. Maybe not a lot, 50, 100 million bushels. Then we get over to the export side. And what's interesting on the exports, we, we do expect corn exports to continue to increase, and we're starting to see that in the weekly export sales report. But overall, though, we know we've got a big road to basically cover here, a lot of distance to cover, because the latest numbers would basically say, if you think about um, USDA saying we're going to be down about 22% on export demand. Um, however, what the numbers show is when we take what we've exported, we take what we've still got on the books to export that are already sold, that shows our current numbers we're down 43.2%. That's a big number. Yeah. Now, what we know, okay, right now is we know our corn coming out of the U.S. is cheaper than Argentina, cheaper than Brazil, and so we've got that window of time to export. Now, that can what we're noticing, though, is as we get out to July, though, uh, out in July because of the safrina crop or the thought that they'll have the safrina crop by then, then they start getting 50, 60 cents a bushel cheaper than the U.S., Brazil offering that corn out. So we're going to have to watch uh, down the road, though. If we don't pick up here in probably the next couple, two, three weeks, then we'll probably switch our tune a little bit and say down the road we'll probably need to see um, export demand maybe lowered another 50 or 75. I don't think we'll see it happen in this report, but that's something that could happen. Now, on the soybean side, you got kind of an exact opposite situation. Um, overall, USDA believes that you know we're going to we're going to have lower numbers overall on exports. But what the numbers show, and when we look at what's already been shipped and what's to ship yet, we're up about 4.5 percent. So there's actually a chance on the beans, even though we're running out of time. But a couple things are happening, as you mentioned in South America, with a slower harvest. You know, um, China is coming in and picking up a few extra cargos. So how, speaking of South America, how slow is this harvest underway, and is it? because it's just too wet at this point. That's exactly. I mean, if you really kind of break it down, Brazilian soybean harvest, 9% harvested versus 16% last year. Now, Susan, I would have thought, based on when we got stuff planted this year and the start that it got off to, we were going to be off to a very fast start, and actually beans would be really ready much, much earlier than what we probably would have normally had. A couple things have happened. One, that crop really hasn't been stressed in a big way, so it had a natural shutdown. Plus, they've continued to have more and more rain, and that has held up the whole process of getting these soybeans off. Give you an idea, uh, Mato Grosso, largest soybean producing state in Brazil, they're 24% harvested. Last year, they're 46.6%. On average, they're about 32% harvested. Now, it isn't just impacting soybeans, though. It's also impacting corn. On the corn crop, that first corn crop's about 10% harvested versus 18% last year. So how is that going to affect the safrina corn crop and getting that planted? Yeah, that's exactly right. So what we've got is that you we've got to get the soybeans off so that we can physically go ahead and get that safrina crop planted. 
and uh, kind of give you an idea that safrina corn crop is 12% planted versus 24% last year. Now, the interesting part, it doesn't seem like we're to that time already, but that ideal window of time to get that crop planted, that actually ends in two weeks. So we're getting there very quickly. Now, what could happen? Well, they'll continue. Because of the prices, they'll continue to plant. But we're going to have to watch it. But there's a chance that some acres in central Brazil end up going to grain sorghum. Maybe some acres in southern Brazil could end up going to wheat. So that's something we're going to have to watch close. So what about the demand side of it that we're seeing for this South American crop? Yeah, it's interesting. So we know on the soybean side, China's stepping in and picking up a few more bushels from the U.S. Something interesting, Susan, is actually the first uh, Brazilian corn shipment did arrive in the Chinese port on January 28th. And they accepted it? Oh, yeah, they accepted it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we know that there's more en route. The other thing we have to watch for is that uh, Brazil is continuing to also e- increase their amount of ethanol production also, and that's going to use up that's going to use up more of the corn, especially in Mato Grosso. But because of the situation this year and and the fact that uh, stocks are a little tight, you know the the soy or the uh, livestock producers in the southern part of Brazil, they're concerned that some of these bushels that would uh, normally come down to them, it may be easier to ship them on out to China. Real fast, because of the earthquake, do you see that affecting some global oils in the coming weeks? Yeah, I think it could have a little bit of an impact there. I don't think it's going to be a large part yet until we know what the damage is like. All right. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. That's today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.